before we get going, let me show you what prize Denise was going to get in the marriage lottery. Yep, that's it. Hubba hubba, that's my man. <laughs> uh, next chart, please. <laughs> okay, as you can see, this is a pictorial representation of our 44 years together, starting in 1978, as we danced down the aisle very much in love, but also very much in lust. In 1979, things are still going well. Uh, we have baby number one, and you can see in 1980, we're going south and more south. In 81, baby number two, culminating in divorce number one in 1982. Uh, remarrying in 1983, because we're still in love. But as you can see, there are dark clouds because we are about to enter the realm of the world's 12-step programs. Leading in yet divorce number two in 2000, which leads to two people in 2001 on their knees before God begging for his way for a marriage, leading to a lot of green years. Um, we were here in 2008 when they launched Reengage, and you can see how it has continued to bless our marriage. All right. So it's one o'clock in the morning and David hasn't called. He's usually home by seven. I am frantic, I'm pacing. I know he's been mugged, unable to get help. And then as he comes through the door and I listen to his explanations, my, my relief quickly turns to suspicion and then anger. I was 27 with two children under the age of three, and my world had just been turned upside down. Yeah. Um, that happened. This picture is actually from 1982. And the, Denise is describing what happened in 81 and in the spring of 82. This picture of our family shows what I was willing to sacrifice. How do we get here? Uh, going back to the beginning, I was raised in a home with two older siblings and one younger. My father took us to church whenever I was little, but he got wounded by people in the church and he fell away. I was about six years old. My dad often drank too much, and whenever he did, he wasn't very happy. My siblings and I continued to go to various churches and it was in the summer of 63 that I accepted Christ at a Salvation Army church uh, at the altar. On my next birthday, my ninth, I asked my mom and dad if they would get me a Bible, and that's what they did. Those early years were marked by a sense of not belonging, and my fears were compounded by sexual abuse by two older relatives. I was a good student through though the the chaos in the home and received much of my admiration and approval from teachers and counselors. This led to me being an overachiever, kind of perfection driven. Eventually, I drifted from the church and drifted from God. My mid-team years were composed of um, full-time work, often recreational drugs as I hung out with guys much older than me, the occasional girlfriend in the evenings, high school in the mornings, and, but nothing, nothing seemed to fill the emptiness that I had inside. And after high school, I had a first marriage. That first marriage didn't last very long, and we soon divorced. I moved to Texas. New beginning for me, while working two part-time jobs in addition to my full-time job, I enrolled in night college and kind of pressed on. So these are just a few of the things that I brought into the marriage to David. My father's alcohol and heroin abuse, along with violence, had put my mother permanently into a wheelchair at the age of 27. Um, from age 5 to 9, I was really so blessed to live with my grandparents. There was love and stability in that home. It was in that home that my sister, my older sister and I went to a small country church down the road, and I accepted Christ at the age of 9. Thank you. 
guilt. <laughs> but there was no spiritual guidance coming from the church or from the home. Then at nine, I was sent to live with an aunt and uncle, and these were not going to be good years for me. There was abuse by the aunt, sexual abuse by a different uncle, and the death of my older sister. I was 12. She was 15. This was a tremendous loss for me. Anger began to grow, and bitterness took root. <clears throat> at 16, I married... Uh, and I soon realized that I had traded one form of abuse for another. So at 18, I divorced. I had never been allowed to make decisions for myself. Someone had always dictated my life to me. I was angry with God and generally angry with the world. This anger led to bitterness and a series of sinful choices such as sexual promiscuity and an abortion. In March of 78, I first saw my future wife, Denise, at Texas Instruments where we were both working. I thought she was perfect. I made it a point to walk by her desk pretty often. I didn't even know her name. I just walked by. He stalked me. Uh, That's why now he stalked me. He, yeah. Nowadays. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, I summoned up the nerve to ask her out on a date, but it was for the next night. I think we got a picture of me. Right? Yep, that's me. Crashing and burning as she told me no. Poor David. <laughs> You know, I persevered, and we had that first date two days later. I was convinced that she was what I needed, and I think I asked her to marry me after one or two weeks of going out. And I think I was unconsciously hurrying everything up before that train with all my baggage arrived. Probably. We were married just 14 weeks after that first date. <gasps> yeah. 11 months later, our first son was born, and 21 months after that, our second. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> It's, not, it's funny and yet not, you know. Okay, so prior to marrying David, I had still not been reconciled to God. And by that, I mean I had not invited God back into my life. But I don't want you to worry because I had a list of what the good wife attributes were. And I was prepared. I believed if you cooked and cleaned and stayed reasonably attractive and was sexually eager, this made you the perfect wife. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I mean. Yes, and just as I intended to make David happy, he, of course, would make me happy. <clears throat> I had obviously not learned how to depend on God for anything at that point. With the birth of our first son, my interest in church was renewed. Yeah, with the birth of our first son, the old issues I'd always had began to emerge. I was determined to be faithful. I was going to white-knuckle it, work harder, and keep myself busy. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do anything, everything, through him who gives me strength. Conversely, I found I don't do anything very well on my own. Between work and evening college, there was plenty of opportunities for me to put my desires first, and I did. So, whoops, sorry. So going back to that night when David came home late, with my suspicions proven, there were two things keeping me in the marriage at that point and for years to come. <clears throat> first, I had stood before God and all reverence to him when I took those vows. They were not just to David. Those vows were to God. And secondly, I knew what it was like to grow up without a father, and that was not going to be my son's future. I still didn't understand that I was trying to control things rather than asking the Holy Spirit to lead me. Yeah, as mentioned, it was 1982. I loved both Denise and my sons, but I didn't know how to lead a family. I didn't know how to love a family or to lead spiritually. We had a lot of change that year. Uh, in March of 81, we had a... Um, our son was born, May of 81, I uh, passed the CPA exam, received a degree in accounting in August of 81, started a new job in September, 
and began to work on my MBA in 1982. Everything was new, but none of it, none of it was really enough. In early 82, after Denise found out I was in an affair, I moved out and we soon divorced. That affair soon faded. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I just never stopped. In just six months' time, I found myself alone in a tiny apartment with some rented furniture and my childhood Bible. So I got that Bible out, and I began to read some of the passages, and I asked God for his forgiveness, and I vowed that I would do better. Again, the emphasis is on I, as I never learned to fully trust in God and lean on him. I didn't have any accountability in my life. After less than a year of us being apart, I asked Denise to give me and us another chance, and she did, with us remarrying in 1983. We went to church on Sundays, but I never felt connected and stopped going after about six months. In my mind, none of the folks in the church struggled with the issues I had. I was unique. Fearful of rejection, I kept my sin hidden from others with a voice inside me saying, you're never going to change. The next years went by really quickly, and nothing really did change. We moved to North Carolina in 1985 and lived there for five years. Denise and the boys went to church, and she started going back to college, and I was kind of living my life on my own. Within a month of moving to North Carolina, I knew there was another woman. I didn't bother getting the proof this time. I had learned how to recognize all the signs. It was during those early months in North Carolina I knew I was in really big, big trouble. We had no financial problems. I weighed 115. The house was spotless. I was working on my degree at NC State, et cetera, et cetera. From the outside, our family looked like the best TV family ever. Yeah. And this is a picture of Denise in 1985 whenever she felt so unattractive. But I now knew that if David did not reconcile to God and rely on him, our life together had no hope. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit pressed upon me the truth that David was more than my husband. He was God's child. He had simply lost his way. And I remembered that there was a time when I too had lost my way. I was deeply saddened for our family and I cried a river of tears. Although that move to North Carolina left me horribly isolated from family and friends, that isolation actually turned out to be a gift from God. It forced me to take my faith to the next level. I began to seek out God to allow him alone to be my sustenance. Lamentations 3, 22, 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The boys and I joined a church in part to continue our spiritual journey, but it was also to maintain that family image. I began to see how God viewed me as his daughter and David's wife. He showed me that I'd made our sons my God and that my leading of the family was in direct rebellion towards him and that my fantasies about other men were sinful. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. I was beginning to trust God for all of my daily decisions, and my prayer life continued to evolve. Most of the time, I prayed that God would make David into the husband and father that he should be and that I wanted. But then there were times when I simply prayed for a really large Mack truck to run him down. Yeah, she, she wanted me to see it coming, too, so that I was part of the prayer. Did. So. I sort of did. Okay. So, uh, fortunately, this was not, this was not long-lived. My prayer life was obviously a work in process. Through all of the years of our marriage, though, God reminded me of his forgiveness of my sins and convicted me to extend that forgiveness to David. Mark eleven twenty five, 25. 
Whenever you stand praying, oh my cry, oh my goodness, don't let me yeah. do that. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will forgive your trespasses. Or as I sometimes tell ladies, your silly nonsense. So he'll forgive your stuff. Thank you. Yep. Okay. My journey with God was a process, and I was not always successful. Yep. After five years, we moved back to Dallas. It was 1990. New, yet another opportunity for a new beginning. I had a new job, new home, but same person. I fell back into the same old ways. The only difference was that this time I would go to church every Sunday. There were periods that I actually did walk well in my own strength, but those periods were never long-lived. I still had myself in a self-imposed isolation. Denise and I separated in March of 96, same reasons as before. Three months later, swore I would change, and even told my wife's Christian psychologist all the changes I was going to make. Again, the emphasis was on the I. Nevertheless, Denise loved me, and she took me back. Wow. When the, re the return to Dallas, I began to match my prayer life to God's word, to what honored God, not just what I wanted. Long before I encountered the phrase, draw the circle. Are y'all tired of hearing the word, draw the circle? Yeah, oh, yeah take it up with somebody else. I'll, actually, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. God etched that on my heart to stay in my circle. So if somebody doesn't tell you, God will. So take it from people. I distanced myself from secular relationships and their opinions, including secular family opinions. And rather than pray that God would make David into the husband and father that I wanted, I began to pray that God would simply reconcile David to him. This was my prayer for David, Ephesians 1, 17, 18. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the purpose he has called you. I saw slow changes almost immediately. He began to go to church with us and sought counseling, but the infidelity was unending and maddening. I became depressed and put on weight, but kept busy completing my MBA. In my heart, I knew the God I believed in could do anything. He could save my family. He could change both our hearts. Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord and be strong. Let your heart take courage, but wait for the Lord. God laid it on my heart not to surrender the marriage to Satan. Yeah, fast forward to 2000. Denise and I had now been together for 21 years, with the last 10 years in Dallas, and the boys were in college. We were in the middle of yet another separation, and I, I think I'd even contacted an attorney at the beginning of the separation. Of late, we'd been talking about getting back together, so I was kind of on my best behavior. I was at the house to see Denise and the boys when one of my former female friends knocked at the door. And this time, I got to see firsthand some of the consequences of my actions. Denise held it together while the lady was there, but then she began to cry. And it was that moment of understanding I had that I realized those tears she was shedding were going to be the last that she had for me and for us. Soon those tears went away, and she told me to get out of there, never come back while she was there. I went back to the apartment I had and was forced to look at what I had done to our lives. It was as if God had taken the blinders off after 20-plus years. The realization began to sink in that my actions, my choices, had just taken away everything in life that really mattered to me. I fell to my knees as the full weight of that was upon me, and I cried out. In, that de in my desperation, I cried out to God. I, I said, God, please change me. That my being in control had done nothing but create misery for my family. 
I repented of those sins and begged for his mercy. And I was totally surrendered, a state I hadn't been in since I was the eight-year-old boy at the Salvation Army altar whenever I accepted him. I prayed that if he wouldn't change me, then just take my life. I was so tired of hurting Denise and the boys. You know, God is faithful. He heard those pleas. And I ended up praying through most of the night, and I was still upset over how stupid I was. But there was a sense of comfort and calm as well. I knew that was God. I didn't realize it at the time, but that night was a new beginning. I severed all ties with past sins. I put a fire in the fireplace, burned up all the notes and numbers, closed all the personal email accounts, and finally fell asleep. Later that same morning, I woke up, and I wanted to share what had happened. But I sat there, and I realized I didn't have anyone to call. Again in Psalms, Psalm 103.12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I knew I was forgiven, but man, my life was a mess. All I knew that I should do this weekend was just get reacquainted with God, so I read my Bible. The next Monday, I went up to work, and I tried to speak with Denise, and I got the same terse tone as she slammed the phone down in my ear. And I, I was actually a little upset. Didn't you know that God had changed me that weekend? Not so much. <laughs> so I picked up the friend and I, I picked up the phone and called a friend of mine who's an associate pastor at a local church. I poured out my story to him, and I was really expecting some sympathy because that's kind of his job, I thought. But I was really surprised when he said, you sinned against God and you sinned against your wife. God knows your heart and he knows what is true. Your life with Denise may be over, destroyed by your actions, but know that God isn't through with you. Proverbs 27.6 tells us that wounds from a friend can be trusted. During the call, we prayed that God would be with me and with us, with my only goal after that to be the best separated single godly guy I could be. To do this, I had to grow my relationship with God, so I was reading my Bible a lot. And one of the passages I repeated often was Luke 9, 23, 24. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. I cannot begin to tell you how much time I spent in prayer seeking God's will for my next steps. This God who hates divorce, what did he want me to do? I wanted to honor God with my forgiveness, but was no longer able to trust David's words. I had been depleted of all hope that he would change, that he would ever surrender to God. We divorced. But a faithful God used my broken heart to break other parts of me too. God was about to return both of us to clay to be remolded by his hands. I didn't want the second divorce because I knew something inside of me was different, that God was in control. I asked Denise, I said, let's extend this separation for a while to give her some time to see if the changes were true. But inside my mind, I didn't blame her for wanting to be away from me or wanting a divorce. I thought that whatever love she held for me, I had killed by my actions or destroyed it. But my life truly had changed. I was reading my Bible. I was... Uh, frequent prayer, and I, I was giving time to things that really mattered in life. God's timing is perfect. As I got into a men's Bible study that next week, before that six-week course was over, I confessed my secrets, my sins, to the 80 men in the room and told them about the choices I'd made and how I had destroyed my family. The guys at my table continued to meet after that. We met every other Monday, 
which was my first introduction into community. Some of my issues were pretty, pretty deep in my personality, so I sought out and found a very good Christian counselor. And looking back over my life with him and through a lot of prayer, it took less than a year for me to fully see how my belief system was flawed and that God truly did love me. I was attending church, reading the Bible, and meeting with fellows from church, and I felt accepted and connected for the first time in my life. After a time, through the grace of God, Denise began to talk with me again. We were living a few miles apart, and unlike other times, I was actually honoring her wishes and staying away. I would see her and the boys on Saturday morning for a couple of hours just to check in and see how they were doing and uh, share with them what God was doing in my life. There was a lot of disbelief and even anger for my sons. These were young men, and I'd been forgiven by God, but consequences were going to be there. I had sown those seeds of anger and disbelief in them. There was no one else in my life. There wasn't any need. God had filled the void that had been there since I was a child. And now, now eventually, Denise and I did go out on a Sunday afternoon, and it was to the opera, so you guys know I was pretty desperate. One yeah. of us likes so, the opera. No, it's, you know, we, <laughs> talked you. As if, you, honey. Yeah, we talked as if life was just beginning, and in effect for me and for us it was. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We began to see each other more regularly, and within a year, in 2001, remarried for the third time. And we lived happily ever after. No, we didn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. We were reconciled, but being fully restored took time. We were seeking God's direction for our lives, having agreed that we were committed to the marriage. The first months and even years were difficult, as there were often times that would bring something up and it would strike anger. Before getting back together, we had shared about the trust that was lost, and I fully opened my life to Denise, and I'd let her know that she could search anything in mind she wanted. She could come by work. Anything I could do, any assurances, whatever she needed was okay. Time was all that I could give her. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I love this one. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Love that. The first couple of years back together were not easy for either of us, but it was never about what was going to be easy for us. It was about what was going to honor God. In the past, David would have said something like, I said, I'm sorry, when are we going to move past this? But this time, David was willing to wait while God continued to heal my heart, my wounds, and my very soul. And I was willing to wait while God continued to work changes in David's life and heart. Romans 8:28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Over the next few years, we continue to grow individually and as a couple and continue to build on Christ as the foundation. Those are what you see as the green years up there. Yay. We were attending a water market back then and having felt drawn by the transparency. One Sunday, our younger son, and as we were walking in, laughingly said, Dad, you and Mom should get up on stage and share your story, your testimony. I think I replied it'd be a cold day in hell before that ever happened. That's exactly what he yeah. told that boy. We, we went through the Watermark Reengage program to continue the process of discovering what really is a godly marriage. 
we discussed what we were going to share ahead of time. We said, you know, we don't know these people. We're just going to scratch the surface. But when it came time for us to share, we decided to trust God and just shared all the secrets, everything. Going through Reengage, God's plan for marriage, helped us continue to grow and unearth some areas where we were both still wounded. With me, it was guilt over the wasted years and the effect of my actions on Denise and our sons. It was during a reengage meeting that I first repeated Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This verse will help stop that lie of Satan, the you will never change lie. Don't believe it. We later felt called to facilitate a group at reengage and met with the Watermark staff. And they asked us, uh, what, do you, what would you do? And we replied, well, we knew all the things not to do in a marriage, so we could definitely share that with the folks. <laughs> we didn't have a curriculum laid out yet, I don't think. But, you know, God has blessed us to facilitate many closed groups and open groups. And over the last few years, newcomers, we have seen firsthand his miracles. Our testimony, not anything special. We really have those black years up there. That's us. But it is our way of thanking God for the healing and redemption of a marriage that the world had given up on. Our prayer is that others here will put their faith and trust in him. In Revelation 12:11, it says, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the words of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Denise and I would like to say thank you to the staff at Watermark and to y'all for letting us share and pray that God blesses you. Thank, thank you. Thank you.